until it's face reality with Bravo. Today's going to be a Married to Medicine and Potomac episode, as we do every Monday. So if you want to skip Married to Medicine and get straight to Potomac, you can check the show notes, and I will have the timestamps at the bottom of it, middle, whatever it is you want to find it in. And this was actually the finale of Married to Medicine. It was pretty good. I mean, could have been a little better, but they always provide us something. Honestly, it's very still entertaining to me. And after seeing what's going to happen in the reunion, I didn't realize, I don't know, something about the way they were dressed, the questions Andy was asking, Apollo showing up at the end. I think I think they're going to have a very strong ending this season. So I'm hoping, I'm crossing my fingers because I really don't want Married to Medicine to get canceled. It's one of my favorite shows on here. And I feel like it's one of the most underrated shows. So I really hope more people give it the recognition that it deserves. So let's get into it. So it's the last day in Hilton Head and they're all kayaking and we just see Sweet Tea accidentally as she's moving the paddle. It hits Dr. G's head and the worker in the back is just cracking up. But Alicia, Simone, and Phaedra, they're doing yoga and then the men are all playing basketball. So now it seems like maybe a few hours have passed or whatever and we see the ladies back at the house and they ask Alicia, so where did those 150K go? Come on. Like I would have thought Alicia would have had a response to this. But she puts the blame on her kids. Aren't your children still babies? Like this has to be a joke. I mean, especially once you get the second baby, you still have the clothes from the first one. So it's mostly a bunch of hand-me-downs and then you waste most of your money just on food and diapers. So, and then you also still use the crib from last time maybe. You might still use the car seat, all of that. So I don't believe 150K is going just to the babies. I don't know. Something is sketchy around here. I don't know what she's doing with the money. Is she saving up or is she stealing money one by one from, well, not really stealing, but, you know, taking out a few hundreds or thousands, I guess, a week or two from Kima's account. Maybe this is to secure her way out of this marriage without Kima knowing or am I reading too much into it? Because that's, that's what I'm not sure about. But the ladies, they do have her back until they heard that, you know, until they heard her excuse or the reasoning she gave him. And Alicia goes, oh, it has to be the kids. Girl, I know children are expensive, but not that much, okay? So Heaven basically is insinuating that Nigerian men have multiple wives, so Kima should be aware of where that money's going. And she starts to make it seem like Kima isn't getting taken care of by Alicia completely. You know, wink, wink, what she was trying to mean here. But he doesn't really come off as a cheater to me. I mean, but then again... Everyone does have skeletons and we might not realize, but Heavenly begins explaining to Alicia that she is kind of similar to her marriage to the extent that she doesn't, she does let her husband be a leader and she treats her husband as a king. Therefore, she's trying to explain to Alicia, you need to sacrifice some things for him and fabricate a lot of things to your husband to make him feel better. And she tells her, Alicia, you don't always have to be right. You don't have to put your significant down, but sometimes there are some things that your husband doesn't need to know, aka open up your own account so that when you're spending money, he's not constantly being nitpicky and paying attention to every little thing you're spending. Because these women are like, girl, you've been married and you still don't know the trick that every wife does. You take out money from a different account, do something kind of, you don't just take take it all out in the same account and then have him talk about how irresponsible you are with money. We all know us women, we're kind of irresponsible with it, but. That's when you got to be sneaky with it. So they're kind of just all teaching Alicia to start lying and like telling her, for example, if he keeps asking you to cook, go get some food from out and go put it in the pot. And honestly, how is this something I never thought of? Putting 
food that's already cooked in the pan or pot, whatever, porridge, and making it seem like you made it, that's genius. Genius, I tell you. And then the other thing, Simone ends up saying that she started, I think, messing up with Cecil's laundry. So now Cecil doesn't let Simone touch his laundry and he likes to do it on his own. These are very smart things to do, guys. I am definitely, I've taken notes of those and I wrote them in my notes pad because I know I'm going to forget them at some point, but that, that was funny. So we're at the final party disco party and they're all getting their makeup or they're getting ready for it. They're getting their makeup done. They're all dressed to the nines. They're beautifully, beautiful, sparkly, silver gold, kind of gray attire. I mean, it seems like the theme was aluminum from my understanding because it signifies their 10-year anniversary, but I still didn't really get it. I don't know. I guess it works for them. So whatever. If it works for them, we're fine. So they get to the dinner and Simone just thanks everyone for coming and talks about their lows and highs. And we get all these montages of, you know, what's been happening in the past 10 years. But this is what cemented the friendships in the group. And this is actually what's gotten them to the point where they are at this point. And they all have this bond from now on because they went through a lot of tribulations together. Okay, this group fought a lot. Okay, that is why the earlier seasons were one of the best on Bravo. So much had happened and they dealt with it all together. So, you know, she also kind of points out that marriage is not easy and they've all worked on it one way or another and they've all been there to help each other at some point with one another's marriage, which is so true compared to the housewives when you're seeing how they are. They kind of start attacking each other. Some of the women are happy when they see another woman's marriage fail. It really just, I don't know, it just depends The married to medicine ladies, every time one of them is having a situation, whether it's Jackie and Curtis, Simone and Cecil, I feel like they band together and they try to work out on their marriages. And it's kind of really sweet to see because they really care about showing people that black marriages last and we also can live a happy, healthy marriage just like everybody else, which is true. I mean, I don't understand why. I mean, I guess it's just statistics at this point, but they really, I hope the married to medicine cast gives a lot of people hope that it can work out. You just really have to put in the effort. That's all it comes down to. If both people want it, you put in the effort, marriage ends up working. The only time it doesn't work is if someone doesn't want to try. Point blank. You can't convince me otherwise. But Phaedra was so right here because this group of couples fight to be together and they care a lot about mending their marriages. And she just thinks that if she was in this group, she might have fixed her marriage with Apollo, but she just didn't have that support that she thought she needed or she could have had when she was on Real Housewives of Atlanta. So the dinner starts out pretty good. And then Simone goes, who here at the table has ever said to your spouse, I want a divorce? And we get Toya, Dr. Eugene, Alicia, Phaedra, and Jackie. They all raise their hands up. But Kima starts to explain that it's very important for black families to see families sticking together through hardships, most importantly for the kids. And so we get Alicia explaining to us about the incident that she had where she was going to file for a divorce and she was actually pregnant with Kimara at the time. And Kima was still expecting his wife to be in the kitchen, cooking and doing all the wifely duties while she had swollen ankles and could barely move. So from my understanding here is that Alicia gave him an ultimatum and she was like, yo, I either get to rest, you get your honey to relax and take care of this baby and have a healthy childbirth or I'm going to cook, but that's going to be the last dinner you're going to get from me and I'm out of the house with this child. So it seems like it kind of puts some things into perspective for Kima, but everyone was really caught off guard by Eugene raising his hand, but he does explain that he understood his faults in his marriage and it did reach a point where he got really lazy and I'm assuming lazy as he means also 
gaining weight, not doing anything. And on top of that, he wasn't taking Toy out on dates. He wasn't doing things that are sweet to her for her. It wasn't like, I guess, just the stuff that Toy was used to in the beginning of their marriage. And so, you know, he woke up and he realized he needed to change and do something to work on their marriage. And he wanted to give Toya the husband that she deserves. So this is when we start getting the men opening up a bit. And Cecil does talk about loving the moment that Heavenly renewed their vows. And Damon goes in and explains that he's a better person because of the relationship that he has with Heavenly. So obviously this leads Heavenly to decide to say that the couple she was most moved by in this process was Kima and Alicia? Like, I feel like she was actually judging them a lot, even though I felt like maybe she was more judging Alicia on not knowing how to be with a dominant man. She was like, girl, you act like you're submissive, but you really are not at home. And this is what's causing most of your issues at home. But Alicia just doesn't have that submissiveness in her. You can't force that on someone, which is why I'm really surprised her and Kima were able to last. And so she just thinks that Damon has the same qualities you know, as him, I already said that, but she's being honest. And personally, I mean, I do see it too. They are very traditional. I just think like, Heavenly also spoke about is that Kima's more vocal about it. Damon has a wife who already wants to be in that submissive role for him. So she like he doesn't really need to quote unquote train her as Kima would say, you know, but they all cheers and they dance the night away and, you know, they have a great last night before going back to Georgia. So we get these quick snippets. We get Eugene making breakfast for his son, but his son apparently claims that Toya had told him his eggs were better than his dad's. And when Toya comes out, she confirms it. But I don't know if she was just doing that to make her son feel better. But Eugene and I said Eugene, Dr. G and Sweet Tea, they're discussing their balanced life. And then Alicia just leaves her husband to feed the baby during this birthday party, to which it seems like no one was at that birthday party. So was it just before everyone came? I'm surprised that they had cut that entire scene out because it seemed like maybe something would have happened or maybe not. But Phaedra and Evelyn go to Jackie's office and they come over to, dis- to discuss the Med Gala, which is created to celebrate the medical industry and all those who support them. And I, I honestly love this idea. I hope they make this a thing every season, like how some housewives have a known, you know, Kyle has the white party and the New Jersey ladies used to have the Porsche fashion show. And I just think this would be a great addition for the marriage medicine ladies because I feel like so much drama and so much stuff can happen at these events, just like we saw. So I'm just saying, I think they should do it. But she explains that this is also, you know, a way for doctors that deserve their recognition to be noticed. And, you know, it's great networking for them. It's great for people to meet one another and talk with other medical professionals. But Eugene and Toya come over to Simone's house to hang out. Well, what we think, which I kind of feel like was a setup by Simone. But then I understand that these scenes are kind of just to show how cheap Toya is. And the OGs are having a very big problem about this. They're throwing a fit. I mean, will this affect them trying to ice Toya out next season? I feel like this is going to be the reason they ice her out, maybe, if that is the route that they decide to go. But this is where Toya makes her and Eugene kind of look bad. And I understand you didn't want to pay $1,000 but to, like, to sponsor your wine. But you also have to realize, Toya, what you're doing is for a charity event. Not all that money was going towards your wine. The other half of it, the part that you didn't want to pay, was going to the fundraiser, the charity, okay? It's the people you're trying to help. It's not all about your marketing thing. It's not about your wine. So, I mean, how do I say this? So at the Med Gala event, you know, it's going to be, everyone's going to be coming very dressed. They're going to be looking their best. And I mean, Toya, you are part of the crew that's setting this whole thing up. 
Put your fair share into the money. That's really embarrassing. So Toya just explains to Simone about her wine and how she was on the call with Kendall Jackson Winery and she wanted them to ship three cases to the Med Gala party. Yet she felt underappreciated. And this is what made Toya lose her points and lose the argument. Because when she said that she doesn't need to pay for what everyone else is paying, I mean, Toya, you just said it. Everyone else is paying that amount or maybe more or maybe just a smidge less. So it just depends on how many business logos each of them wanted placed on the step, I guess, and repeat. That's what Simone explained. And she said that this would dictate how much money they give. So this whole thing kind of confused me a little bit. But then Eugene goes and explains that they're getting the three cases of wine, but they're going to get $40 cases of wine instead, which will end up totaling to $1,400, which is more than 1000 but Eugene, that's not the point. That's not the point. You're paying that extra. You're paying $1,000 because a small amount of it's going to the sponsorship. The rest of it is going to the charity. Why are you not? Why are you guys not noticing that? You're just so, so wanting to be picky on this entire thing. It was really like, Eugene, don't do that. I don't know. It's, it was kind of weird. Like, I guess to me, I just feel like it's the principle of it, though. It doesn't matter if Toya made it easier. It affects other people's positions. So maybe for this, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think she would have even deserved the sponsorship part. And I love Toya, and I'm here saying that. But we pan back to Jackie and the ladies, and Heavenly is livid with Toya. And she just says that her wine isn't accepted there because Toya did not contribute. And Heaven, Heavenly is so pissed off that they're doing this as a team, and Toya just didn't pitch in. So Phaedra explains that she donated more champagne than Toya's donating wine. So she just isn't fighting here. She's not going to be fighting about how much she's spending because at the end of the day, they're doing this for a good cause. That's it. Point blank. That's where you have to end it. You're not supposed to be like, but but you guys are trying to overcharge me. You're doing this for charity. Just ignore the money aspect of it. You know, and I mean, $1,000 is kind of nothing to her because Heavenly does point out that Toya bought a $17,000 purse, but she can't pay $1,000 to sponsor her wine company that she so desperately wants to get out. I mean, come on, ma'am. You have to spend money to make money, right? That's how we see it. But we pan back to Simone and Toya, and Toya just goes into how she paid for the Napa trip. And Eugene just kind of looks at Toya like, no, they're not the same thing, Toya. Don't make this comparison because now we just lost our argument. To which Toya definitely did because Simone starts to state facts that the entire group went there to support Toya, to support her wine company endeavors, whatever it is she's starting. And nobody complained at all. So they just expected, they expected it back from her. And Toya's not giving it. So, you know, we're at the Met Gala party now and everyone has phenomenal dresses on. Jackie especially looks extremely beautiful here and I'll give her that. But to be honest, I mean... Dr. Jackie's always looking presentable, but what is Dr. Heavenly wearing? Her boobs are literally sticking out one move to the left or right and her nipples out to which we end up seeing anyways. Uh, she, She didn't even care. She didn't even try to hide it. She ended up getting a nip slip. And so, you know, we see Toya setting up her wine sponsorship booth and Heavenly throws shade between you know, talking to the ladies that Toya didn't pay anything. So her wine doesn't deserve to be marketed here. And I do agree with her there. But come to find out, Curtis is in the Dominican Republic again. And, you know, Dr. Jackie just acts like he's there making money for the household and taking care of them. No, there's a mistress and you need to get on that before it's too late. 
Batoya tells the ladies everyone is drinking her wine, but Heavenly must have had the event promoter. Oh, guys, they end up showing a little like flashback of a few moments ago. Of the event coordinator going to Toya and telling her to take down her her sponsorship and her wine stuff. And Toya obviously rejected it. But he- I feel like Heavenly is the one who put the event planner up to it. And, you know, Toya just didn't input any money for the charity. So Jackie tells Toya that it isn't too late to still do it. But what does Toya do? She just takes a sip of her drink and ignores it. Why aren't you able to just give a few hundred bucks or maybe, I don't know, something to charity? What is wrong with, are you that cheap that you can't help charity, but you can go buy a bunch of brand name stuff? Stop funding billionaires and go help the more unfortunate. Thank you. So Jackie goes up and she's ready to give her speech. You know, she gives some praises, whatever. And then she has Heavenly come on and Heavenly just wants to say a few words. But what does Heavenly say? Here she goes. Hey, I'm thanking the sponsors, of course. And we're going to start with Dr. Jackie, okay? And the beautiful Simone. To which Toya cuts Heavenly off mid-speech to correct her and say, It's Dr. Simone Whitmore, actually. And this makes Heavenly see red. And she realizes it's time for her to come after Toya. So Heavenly goes, Toya, where's Toya? Oh, she didn't sponsor. She didn't give anything. She didn't pay y'all. I'm just going to put it out there. Toya just yells out, she didn't have to. She gives us cases of wine. Now, I will say Heavenly doing that was uncalled for and not needed. It was rude. It was tacky, embarrassing. But you're on a TV show. And this is what I die for when I watch these. So please keep up the shenanigans, Heavenly. You, you, my dear, are meant for TV. Even though I still feel like there's a lot of skeletons in Heavenly's closet. So I'd really, really appreciate for someone to bring them out. Bring them out to the light. Let's see it. Let's dissect it. Let's have her explain herself at the reunion for once. But Dr. Eugene's body language and everything about him at this point is very uncomfortable. He's heated and he just wants to leave, but he pulls Damon and tries to talk about it. But to me, Damon clearly didn't mind that his wife did that. And it seemed kind of off with Eugene. I mean, Eugene ended up hugging him out, like hugging him and telling him it's cool, bro. But Damon gave off the get away from me, bro. I don't even like you. I feel like him and Heavenly sit there and smack talk Eugene. There's something they have against him. I don't know what it is, but it's something. But I also... I did realize that Sweetie's boobs are very, very much out as well. Oh, but Heavenly did say in her confessional, she still thinks till now that what she did was right place because it happened there. And I mean, kind of a valid point there. But we start reaching kind of the end of the party. And guess who arrives? Quad. Quad is here. Yes, ma'am. She's back for the final few minutes. It's funny timing. She comes when Toya and Eugene come. Or, or walking out, excuse me. And I think, I don't know if Toya's producer would have told her she's coming and she left or they would have had an inkling she was coming or were told by someone from someone who's a guest. I don't know. Just weird timing, right? I mean, they both avoided each other. So it seemed like they both didn't want anything to do with each other. But Alicia is open to Quad's arrival. Her and Kima hug her and shake her hand. And Jackie's just questioning who even invited her. And I just think a producer did, honestly. But Greg is very uncomfortable. And Quad tells Sweetie to go find her husband so she could say hi? Why does Quad want to say hi to her ex? This is so weird. I mean, she even asked to hug his neck. Didn't didn't you guys beat each other up? Why would you want to say hi? I thought he traumatized you. Like, the whole encounter was off. It was weird, not needed, kind of uncalled for. I thought Quad was going to start a mess, not come and act like she's buddy buddy with her ex 
And Dr. G just wants her to leave. He is so not happy. He is just, uh, he's looking like, why is she here? Why am I doing this scene? And I mean, like, Quad, you said you purged yourself from these problems. Then why did you speak to him? And Quad just then goes and tries to talk to Simone at this point. And she starts going on about how she wants to fix their friendship, make amends, move past everything. And Simone looks at her like, basically making it clear, you had your chance. You could have called me anytime, even in between filming. I mean, you had all these months and you decided to come on the last day of filming and on camera. No, thank you. Not going to accept this friendship. So that's where we ended with this episode. I'm actually so excited for the reunion. I really think the reunion is going to put it all together. I mean, the season was actually pretty, it was normal. Started out weak. They had like good episodes and then some normal episodes. But overall, still much better than Potomac. I enjoyed it. And I definitely know for sure that I'm going to be enjoying the Potomac episodes as well. Not Potomac. The Married to Medicine reunion episode. Sorry. I'm so sleepy, guys. I slept around 4 a.m. last night. And then I had to wake up early around 7 a.m. And take my little sister to the emergency room. And then we had to take my dad to the airport. So it was a very, very busy day. Now I'm finally finishing up these. Okay, let's get into it. Let's get into it. I'm almost done. So, Potomac. Okay, how do I say it? This episode, guys, that's it. I mean, I think we've all given up on Potomac, but the reason I still cover it is because I know that there are some people who are still continuing it. They're going at it because, I mean, I'm doing it. So if I'm already watching Potomac, I might as well. So let's get into it. Season 8, episode 14, Sun Zhao, Bun Zhao. And it's the continuation of when they were at the beach and Giselle had claimed that NECA is the real grand dame of Potomac. And clearly, I mean, she even said it on Watch What Happens Live that she only did it to get under Karen's skin. But NECA was nice about it. I feel bad for her. She felt like she was put in an awkward situation, so she tried to make a very nice speech. And, you know, she says that she's here to do people's work, a.k.a. doing Giselle's dirty work. And Candace left because she just didn't like what they did to Karen. But Karen says that it's lonely at the top and she loves it even though she's clearly annoyed and then she throws shade about where Giselle lives which is in uh Bethesda right is that how you say it but the difference is Giselle actually owns a home so it doesn't really matter where she lives and it seems like she lives in a pretty nice area anyway so who cares if it's not Potomac but Giselle's really enjoying every moment with Karen she's not being passive in the moment of no excuse me she's enjoying the moments of Karen not being passive I mean, well, I, what am I saying? Guys, I'm sorry. I'm like so sleepy. And I'm working on not using the word like. I've noticed I say that so much in sentences. I was saying that Giselle is enjoying every moment of Karen being kind of passive right now and acting like she's cool with it because she knows deep down Karen is boiling about this. She's not happy with it. She's kind of annoyed. And so they start walking to the Sprinter van and Robin tells Karen that she's never giving the title up to which Karen indirectly not indirectly she says it straight she's throwing shade and I felt like this was towards NECA and she says oh no I'm not into the title and NECA is a good sport moving to the outskirts of Potomac bless her heart oh god so they go to night golf I mean I don't even know what this was for nothing really happened here but getting Giselle talking about her and Jason's fake relationship and so what they're playing Giselle goes first and it's a horrible shot Karen's was even worse Mia did great NECA did better. So then we get Ashley and Giselle and they're talking about Jason and she wonders how they're doing. So Giselle just goes in to confirm that they're definitely dating, but she is not exclusive. So I'm glad that she made that clear because, you know, Jason is out here being spotted with a different girl and Giselle, 
This is the second or third time the guy that you're dating is supposedly being caught with another woman. Stop faking your boyfriends, or if you're going to fake one, be more slick about it. Maybe start paying them, do something, make them sign an NDA so they don't, I don't know, not expose you (laughs) because you're just making yourself look like a fool. And it's just so funny how this conversation is being brought up the week that Jason was caught dating someone else. And he was even telling people him and Giselle are only a situationship, which is so sketchy on my part. It seems like they don't even see each other, honestly. But I say this because Giselle says that he he's basically loyal to her and he's not seeing anybody else. That's not true because he's getting caught with other women and he's going around telling people him and Giselle are not dating. So... But this bothers Karen and Candace because they kind of feel left out when they see Giselle and her little squad go and sit alone and talk about things. And so they go on to talk about Giselle only going after people's business because she has nothing going for her, to which, I mean, Karen isn't wrong, but it's also not that deep. Giselle knows that she has to make a show, so she makes these snarky comments because we love her commentary, okay? I mean, and then poor Karen, guys, she finally gets a confessional only to talk about how sick she's feeling. She doesn't even get anything. Nothing is, I don't know. It's okay. Maybe next time. I feel like she would have made a great addition, honestly. I would have loved to have her on. I think she's so cute. She's very pretty. She gets along with Giselle and Robin, so it would be a good mesh in the middle. I don't know. But they end up driving back the golf carts, and they're going to this very nice restaurant. So Giselle starts, and she thanks Karen for teaching her to not make her daughter's graduation about herself and to know to make this her daughter's moment. So she talks about her daughter leaving on Tuesday and the ladies are just kind of silent. I'm not sure why, but we start noticing Candace and Wendy are just giving each other these glares and kind of smirking and dirty looks and like Giselle's an idiot type of of look or Giselle has no idea what's coming for her. And so, you know, she talks about her daughter leaving to Florida And Mia asks Giselle if she has concern with her daughter going to school in Florida because, you know, it's a Republican state with, I guess, a racist governor. And so Giselle worries for her, which is, I mean, she has every right to. I don't blame her. She did explain her daughter is street savvy, so she wouldn't really be caught up in something crazy. I was just annoyed at Karen and Candace this entire time and Wendy. I mean, this is a lovely conversation and they're acting annoyed. Why can't Giselle just have a good moment talking about her daughter leaving to college? Why are they acting like Giselle's daughter is going to move to a war zone? It's Florida. It's a very diverse state. I don't know. I just think this is a reach at this point. Wendy's commentary was not needed here. Moving on. But like I I like how Giselle just shuts it down by staying calm. She tells them she has Jesus and she likes that she will be okay there. The thing also that annoys me is that her daughter is going to HBCU school. So HBI, yeah. Did I say it wrong? Oh my God, did I forget the I? So... She'll be fine. She's going to be around other people of color. I I think she'll be okay, right? I've seen so many people go to Florida and I don't know. Dang, people really want to make a big deal out of this. So Karen just tries to make a speech that this entire group wants to see one another win. I mean, which is a lie because don't they all sabotage one another? But then Giselle goes in to tell her that in the same vein, they need to also call each other out when they're falling short. And so Giselle brings up Mia screwing a rapper, and she knows that if she were to say that, Karen would make that excuse that Giselle is trying to break marriages, but when Karen does it, it's fine, right? So Karen goes in to try to explain that her marriage has been attacked a multitude of times, and it hasn't stopped them. But then Karen kind of loses this battle a little bit because Mia says, but why are you being disrespectful? To which Karen says that she wasn't, but she's just calling Mia out for sleeping with a rapper. Which, I mean, was she? Who was it? I want to know. Was it Lil Uzi Vert? 
And then Karen tries to make the excuse that because she said it to her friend, it, 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 or because she said it to her face, it shouldn't be that big of an issue because Mia has been talking behind her back for a long while anyways. How I see it is, they're both backbiting at the end of the day. They both were spreading rumors about one another. So I think it kind of balances out PEMDAS. Okay, math. Come on. And so Karen insinuates that Mia goes behind people's backs and Karen doesn't do that. But then Karen says that she's a human and she bleeds. And to which Mia says, which is why I haven't said the true story. And Karen looks at her like, you don't know my story. And Mia's like, okay, you want to try? This is why I love Mia. I know a lot of people... I mean, I know she's a compulsive liar. I know people get annoyed of her. But she brings us good content. She likes to expose people. She lies about things that other cast members never did. But you know what? (laughs) It causes fights and it makes them go even crazier on her because they're like, hello, this is not true. But the ladies are kind of just dead silent. I mean, Karen tells her to stop threatening her and she has nothing to hide. Mia's then weird and tells Karen that she's got her back so she won't go that low with her. And she's not going to do it to her. And Mia says that they, she calls this a friendship. But girl, you already insinuated that Karen had done something very bad. And so you were still doing it in a sense. But this isn't what a friend does. So Giselle is right. If Karen is trying to skirt through the argument with Mia and treading lightly so Mia doesn't expose anything, it does make me believe that there's some truth to it. So Wendy's friend thanks Giselle for checking up on her and tells Candace and Wendy that she was hurt, that they wouldn't come and ask about her. And, you know, they just kind of say, no, but we did. And Wendy tells her she got her ginger ale. And I guess they kind of just move on from it. But it's the next morning. And we also learned that Karen actually paid $5,000 for this or was charged $5,000 for her hotel room at the resort. I know this because of the Watch What Happens Live episode. Giselle said that. And it's funny because in Karen's confessional, she acted like if she needed to pay, she'll give them the credit card. Yet... It turned out Karen was fighting with the hotel staff and, you know, trying to get them to give her her money back. So it seemed like Karen did not want to pay that. And she was livid. But, you know, we see Giselle, Robin, and Mia. They're tanning. They're laying out. And they're talking about what happened between Mia and Karen last night. And this is when Giselle tells Mia that Karen never thought Mia would come for her since Karen is the one who brought her into the group. And Mia does agree with her because she won't let Karen have the control over her. Because she can already tell that Karen kind of treats her in a way of, well, I brought you into this group. Don't you ever go against me. To which Mia kind of feels like Karen wants her to be her slave for her to repay her for being a part of this group. But I mean, if Karen ever went after Mia before, I would say Mia was right. But since Karen never really said anything about Mia's secrets on camera, I think Mia's the one who owes Karen the respect back to not talk about her or exploit any of her secrets. I mean, if Karen were already doing that to Mia, then I would say it's fair game. But Karen didn't do that. So kind of had to side with Karen now. I switched lanes. But Karen does tell everyone that this morning she is in a happier place and they all seem fine. But Giselle is letting us know that she will not be speaking or acknowledging Candace or Wendy. And, you know, she was already avoiding them the entire trip. So, I mean, nothing is changing in that regard. So we get to game time and they're all answering questions. But it's, ugh, it's sex edition. And Robin wrote down the question. So, I mean, it, it, she says, if you don't believe the person, you hit the button. So they're going in and they're talking about bedroom stuff. It kind of gets annoying. I really don't like it when they're overly sexualizing things on this show. Uh, let's see. We get Wendy's friend tries to tell a story about trying to live all her sexual fantasies in the bedroom. 
but Wendy clicks the button right away because she doesn't believe her friend. But Giselle defends Kiarna by saying, no, but Kiarna said she went through a hoe phase, so I believe it. Moving on. Karen does ask Ashley the last time she did the deed, and Ashley answered, as you guys know. And then she said it was January, but it was not with Michael, and it was after her breakup with Lucas. With Luke, sorry, from Summer House. And then Robin is asked what fetish Juan has, and it turns out, oh, this is disgusting. Robin's fetish is watching Robin be with another man or woman. Apparently, he doesn't care who it is. Sir, why would you want to see your woman with somebody else? Who... You don't love her then. That's all That's all I'm understanding from it. So um, let's see. And then Mia's question is asked, and it's about the rapper that she allegedly slept with. Mia doesn't want to tell. And so Giselle tells her, well, Gordon gave you permission, so you can tell us. And Wendy tries to clear it up by saying that, well, you were married to Gordon, right? And Mia clarifies that she was only dating Gordon during that time, not married yet. So the ladies are just kind of frustrated that Mia's being really coy about the entire situation. But I mean, she is right about the guy she hooked up with not wanting to be affiliated with this, especially on a Bravo network, guys. Any celebrity or anyone who's caught sleeping with a Bravo celebrity, the Bravo fandom will be going crazy and exploding on their page and maybe making TikToks about it. And just, I don't know, you never know what could come out of it, right? I feel like anyone who's not an actual Bravo celebrity gets the bad side of Bravo when they're on the show. But Karen thinks that she's vindictive now because of Mia's statement. She thinks Mia is very sketchy with what she said. So Robin is really shady because she asks Karen how many sexual partners she's had in the past five years. And I say it's shady because Karen is married, so it should only be Ray. But with her cheating rumors, they wanted to see if she'd expose herself. But she ends up switching up and telling them that she'll tell the ladies how many wet dreams she's had, to which she says 40 different people. But Giselle takes it as this is Karen exposing herself and lying. (laughs) I mean, I could see that. I mean, Giselle knows her better, so I I understand. But now we see everyone going to the beach. I mean, well, we think they're going to the beach first, but they actually go to a restaurant, which is very nice. It's right by the beach. You see everything. They order their food, their drinks, and Robin tells the ladies that she just hopes they're all enjoying themselves. She knows it's a low-key trip, but she just hopes that it's something – they're okay with. And so they all agree. It's been great. They're all having a great time. No arguments so far. So, so far, everything's going smooth. But now we get Ashley talking about the sex game and they that they had. And so she feels like she can't really talk about those things without telling the ladies what's happening with her legal situation with Michael. And she feels that she just shouldn't be talking about her extracurricular curricular activities right now since she's technically not a single woman. So Mia comes in to tell her that she understands that because Ashley is tied to Michael financially and she doesn't want her rendezvous to be exposed like that. Maybe make Michael, I guess, not want to help her financially. I mean, men are crazy. Even if they don't like a girl, if the girl they're controlling wants to be with someone else or sleeping with someone else, they'll be like, okay, no money for you. So, I mean, it makes sense. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, she knows he can do whatever, but she seems more low-key about the men that she sees. I'm talking about Ashley in her regard. It's just, I don't know, like, why would she want to live this unfulfilling and depressed life? All of this for Gotham? Really? And so we get Wendy asking Mia if she's with Gordon for financial reasons, to which Mia lies again. And she says, no, he was broke as hell. So the ladies are like, no, 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 Mia. We understand he's broke now, but he was not broke when you met him. And she lies again, saying that he ha- she had more money than Gordon because she had an inheritance. 
girl from where? Didn't you say your mom was a drug addict and then your dad wasn't in your life? So where did this inheritance come from? Who gave it to you? What? So Mia explains she had more money in the bank than Gordon, but he seems to have more assets than her. And this is when Wendy catches Mia in the lie because she tells Mia that she told them when she first came on the, sh- on the show that she worked at a high-end gentleman's club where she met Gordon and he was a high roller. To which Mia goes, what is your definition of money? And Candace says, girl, you said he was giving you $10,000 a night. He was buying you. And Mia confirms he was buying her, but it wasn't with money. And she says it was lunch money change. What? $10,000 is not lunch money change. What do you mean? Strippers become strippers for the money. They don't want these lame man's toys or whatever extra stuff he wanted to give them. Like you're trying to claim Gordon was trying to give you. You want the money and that's it. So Gordon was rich at the time. Okay. Strippers want cold, hard cash. So I'm not buying it. Candace asks Ashley if she started, you know, with her life coach, but it's actually a confidence coach. I mean, does that stuff even actually work? Maybe it will with Ashley. I don't know. I mean, Ashley's encouraged to have a goal. And so this goal of hers is to make a song by her birthday. And now we get Ashley's song. And here we go. I mean, I didn't write it down, but her voice was honestly amazing. I was very shocked. I did not. I don't know why I never thought Ashley had a good voice. I, I guess I never heard it. But I really hope this works out for her. I hope maybe maybe this will help her and Candace team up, do a song together. I don't know. But now Wendy wants to shift gears and talk about Karen's triple 20s. And we have Karen acting like she has this trainer now. who He's in great physical shape. And does Karen have a crush on her trainer? She wouldn't even tell them the name of him. What is his name? Why wouldn't she tell us his name? What is it? So the ladies just wonder what the big deal is about him. And Karen tells Mia to move on. So Karen just tells him that he will become a legend in this group. But how is this guy going to become a legend if you won't even tell us who he is? You see, this is when Karen's delusions just keep catching up to her. I feel like this cast is filled with liars. We got Robin, Karen, and Mia. So apparently, so now it's beach time. And apparently the Martha Stewart Sports Illustrated was shot here at the beach. And Robin tells them to have a photo shoot here. So they ask her, okay, did you bring a professional photographer? And she looks at them and she just tells them to use their phone cameras. Which, I mean, you could have just said that, Robin. You should have just said, let's all get pictures taken. So they start posing. They get their pictures done. And it just kind of ends with Robin huddling with the girls, a.k.a. Mia, Giselle, and Ashley. And they're just talking about Candace and Wendy. You know, giving each other weird looks during Giselle's talk about her daughter moving to a Republican state. And so they all admit that they were, you know, they did catch it. And Giselle's going to maybe make a whole issue about it. I mean, she's making it seem like she's going to argue with Wendy because it ends with Wendy coming up to them saying, hey, guys, what's going on? So I guess we'll see what happens. You know, hopefully at this point, I don't have hope anymore for Potomac. If anything, they need to win us over with the reunion. If not. You got to you got to shake up half the cast, guys, because it's not working. Keep raw. I mean, keep Giselle, keep Robin, because I just I want to see what's going to happen with Robin and Juan and Ashley and Karen switch up everybody else. And I think we're good. But I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. It's a Monday. Let's start it off strong. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Instagram. I greatly appreciate your support. Please leave us a rating and I will be back for Below Deck tomorrow. Signing off and love you guys.